Today we have with us Dr. Alexandria Zura, a veterinary pathologist by training who is particularly passionate about um, digital pathology. Based at Charles Rivers Montreal site, she has extensive experience in digital pathology and image analysis while involved in designing image analysis algorithms for clinical child evaluation. She had the chance to work and trained with computer scientists and pathologists involved in drug development at various different pharmaceutical companies. She invites pathologists and computer scientists to explore the plentiful digital pathology resources that can be found on her blog and personal podcast as well. Thank you so much for being a part of my podcast and I'd directly like to jump into the first question. AI is becoming an extremely important part of our lives. Everyone mm-hmm. in every field is working with AI. So could you give us an insight on how AI is taking over the field of pathology today? I wouldn't say it's taking over, but it's definitely entering the field. Um, so where it uh, has place is in image analysis. So pathologists are uh, evaluating images under the microscope. And um, with digital pathology, those images can be scanned. Once we have the image scanned, we have a digital file. So we can build image analysis algorithms um, to help us do different things, to help us focus on the right area in the slide where the pathologist didn't go goes in and um, says and decides what the diagnosis is. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a little bit of uh, apprehension, a little bit of fear. Oh, is this AI going to take our jobs away? Now the industry is moving away from this even attempt. Now it's more of a support tool for pathologists, like a diagnostic support tool where, um, like I mentioned in this one example, it directs the pathologist's focus to one place or another. So AI um, can be involved in image analysis, but there are also other aspects of um, pathology where it can help. One of them is um, the natural language processing, where we actually do not work with the image itself, but we work with the words the pathologists are dictating into dictating devices. This is something pathologists do in practice where they are dictating a report. And then AI can be also used on the written reports to structure them in a certain way. Um, For the recording itself, when we are dictating the report, the one thing is the voice recognition, automatic transcription, uh, all these things that we maybe know from other uh, areas of life where AI is helping us with, uh, you know, even YouTube transcriptions, automatic transcriptions of meetings. And this is also happening in pathology. Wow, that was really um, insightful. And I would definitely be researching on this later. So my next question is, Mm -hmm. is in your interview with um, Ralph Haas, mostly your podcast, you spoke about um, implementation of digital pathology and its benefits such as telepathology um, in your clinical setup. But what would you say are the drawbacks or certain difficulties of this implementation? 
difficulties definitely so it is a technology that is new to the pathologist workflow it's a little bit on top of the pathologist workflow it's something you're adding uh, before we were just taking the slide and the slide was everything we were uh, diagnosing on the slide now we on top of producing this glass slide unlike in radiology where the analog method of making those images went away because they are able to image radiologists, um, they can make digital x-rays without the film anymore. We as pathologists, we still use the glass. So um, there is, I think, yeah, we can say this is a drawback at the moment of digital pathology. There is research ongoing uh, to figure out how can we get rid of this glass slide. But currently, uh, this is part of digital pathology. So we're adding something on top. We're adding the scanning, the digitizing on top of the glass slide that the pathologist is using. So that is a drawback in itself. Uh, it is associated with cost. So uh, whoever wants to do digital pathology at an institutional level, so in the whole hospital, in the whole university, where they make a decision, yeah, we're going digital, it is associated with significant cost um, because the devices, the scanners that digitize those slides are expensive. Um, and uh, there is a whole part of the workflow that was not there in the hospital yet where you have to manage those images. They're very big. It, unlike any other type of image, pathology images are a lot bigger. They can be like 10 times bigger, 100 times bigger um, than normal images. And I like to say one pathology image scan can be as big data-wise as a two-hour HD movie. So it's not those snapshots that we are sending each other through the phone or even as an email attachment. It's too big. So uh, that comes with logistical challenges, with uh, IT infrastructure challenges. So, yeah, there is a lot to think about. It's not all roses and beautiful and, you know, let's go digitize. There, uh, a lot of thought has to go into this logistically, financially. The benefits um, are great, but to get there, there is a little bit of a rocky path that uh, one has to overcome. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And also, um, to add on to that, I recently um, saw an interview of a doctor in the States who's been talking about mm -hmm. how she's mm -hmm. trying to implement digital pathology into her workflow. And she was just telling the audience about how it's taken her over two years to get everything into place. It's not something that just happens overnight. You have to really work hard for it. Yeah, I definitely second that. It's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. If we want to start using digital pathology like immediately with no additional associated cost, there is something called um digital cytology static with static images. So basically, we could take a phone or a camera on our microscope and take pictures of images that have diagnostic information that have the important information for a pathologist to diagnose what's on the slide and this can be used as well and this method has been out there for a long time it's um, 
so to say, lower hanging fruit, but it's a little bit of a different modality, but also part of digital pathology. So I'm a fan of that as well. Yeah, it's also really wonderful to see the various options that you can work with right now. The next question is about image processing and image analysis. So could you give us a little walkthrough um, of the process of image analysis and what you observe, the methodologies, etc.? Mm -hmm. So image analysis is actually a part of um, a branch of computer science. Uh, so computer science is in general, the, the big area of science, then within computer science, there is something called computer vision. So basically teaching computers to see uh, like we see. Uh, and computer vision is being implemented in many areas of life. Like every time there is uh, some camera recognition, face recognition in photos, um, if you are using Google Photos, you can basically type uh, whatever you want and it's going to find you dogs, cats, even members of your family if you tag them uh, before, right? So this is computer vision. And you can apply computer vision to pathology images as well. And basically anything you do with those images in terms of analyzing it in one way or another is image analysis. And then this image analysis as an umbrella can branch into all the different pathology problems that we have. And currently, there's no like one image analysis uh, algorithm or solution for everything. You identify a problem similar to in Google Photos, you um, want to find cats. In pathology, let's say you would want to find specific cells. Let's say cells that are uh, dividing that have uh, a specific uh, appearance uh, called mitotic figures. Mitosis is the process of cell division, and you can identify this in the image. So you are developing an algorithm, uh, a computer program to detect those particular things in the pathology image. And there are also different ways how to get there. You can either program it from scratch if you have a progr programming skills, if you're a computer programmer, you can use a third-party software that um, enables people who don't have coding skills uh, be able to, um, to detect those things that you want to uh, look for, in this case, methodic figures. And um, you can approach it also in a couple of different ways. And there... Um, you kind of have to follow the research and see what tools you have, what, who you work with, because this is a very evolving field. A couple of years ago, you would have to manually decide, okay, what is the size of the object that I'm looking for? What color does it have? Um, is it What shape does it have? Is there some kind of parameters that I can visually define so that my algorithm goes and looks for it? Now you don't have to do it anymore. Um, so that was the classical computer vision, classical image analysis approach. Now um, we are operating in the deep learning space. Deep learning is a way of approaching, um, is an AI method using deep uh, learning networks. And these are specific frameworks, um, specific um, 
algorithmic frameworks that are very good for detecting things in images. And the difference for the end user, for us, for those who want to detect those things, is we don't have to think about those parameters anymore. We just give examples. So me as a pathologist, I would go into this image and look for those mitotic figures and just put a dot on them or draw around them. And this uh, framework, this deep learning framework, deep learning network is going to learn from those examples and then show me other examples on other images. So that's kind of how we approach uh, image analysis and pathology at the moment. But, you know, in a month, maybe there is going to be something new or in two months, for sure, there's going to be something new. Yeah, evolution, right? Yes. So um, everything's just constantly evolving and you have so many changes. And the next thing is uh, what are the five major patterns or tools or devices that you think that any um, digital pathologist should have for their clinic or workspace? Mm -hmm. So definitely a whole slide scanner. This is where the journey starts with digitizing our glass slides. Um, if we're talking about the, the high throughput dynamic images, so there is a difference between dynamic and static images. Static images are the ones that we take with a camera or with a phone, uh, whereas the dynamic images, the big ones that I said that are two-hour HD movie, uh, they mimic, they, they um, make a digital microscope experience. So we can zoom in, zoom out at a very detailed level. And in reality, those images is, it's not just one image there where we zoom in uh, into the pixels. It's a pyramid. It's a pyramid of uh, many different images at different magnifications. Because when you look at the pathologist microscope, you have different objectives there. You have the one that uh, magnifies a little bit, uh, let's say only two times, five times, 20 times, 40 times, depending um, what kind of microscope and what type of pathology you do, it can be up to 100 times objective. So if we want to make a whole slide um, that, that shows all these details, you have to like make this pyramid of images. So whole slide scanner is one device. I don't know if we're going to get to five, but definitely whole slide scanner. Then uh, there is imaging software. So uh, we're not talking about image analysis yet. We're just talking about looking at those images at, um, at your computer. So another thing is going to be your workstation, your computer, a good enough monitor that refreshes the image very fast because the zooming in and zooming out for a pathologist, it has to be very fast because it has to be uh, comparable to what they do uh, under the microscope and they work very fast with the microscopes so they cannot have a digital experience that is worse than that because then all this uh, those hurdles that we just went through uh, putting this digitization into place when the experience of the pathologist when they are slower than they were before it's like take it away from me i want to go back to my microscope because if i'm faster i can help more patients so um, we have scanner, we have the uh, workstation, meaning the computer that is um, has to be a little bit better than a normal computer because those images are very big. So to handling them, uh, to handle them fast, it has to be bigger. We have to have a good monitor within, uh, usually with the scanner uh, or as a separate software, we need the slide viewing software. So we need to interact on the computer with the slide. Uh, so that's a software that is uh, necessary. 
And I guess the next step then, if we want to take it to the next level, very often done in research, is the image analysis. So there we would need an image analysis software. And there are many of them on the market. They are commercially available where you pay for a license. There are also software packages that are open source that can be downloaded for free. Um, depending on what your needs are, um, you would have to figure out what's the best for your problem. And obviously everybody has different problems. So you are very much like tailoring the software that you're using to the problem that you want to solve. Okay, so is it possible to say that according to which field in pathology you're working with or disease you're working with, your tools kind of vary and change? Yes, yes. So the tool category, uh, is more or less what I told you, but there's no like one list, oh, buy this and you can go digital in a month. Every institution has to do their own research, research their own so-called due diligence to check, okay, are those tools going to be good for what we want to provide our patients, what we want to provide with our research? Um, the categories stay the same, but tools are different. Okay, yeah. And the next question is, according to you, what are the two major mistakes that pathologists, researchers make? And uh, maybe a tip and a trick on how they can avoid it. Mm -hmm. Something, uh, so I mentioned the first thing in digitization is a scanner, right? So a mistake that I have seen is that um, institution buys a scanner and, um, or somebody buys a scanner and all they are thinking they're going to do digital pathology. It's a very multidisciplinary area and preparing an institution uh, Unless you do the static images, then you can just use your phone and uh, or a camera and a microscope. But if you're thinking of going digital in an institution, you have to involve all the teams that are going to help you do that. And it's not just the pathologist. Pathologist is just one part of this uh, multidisciplinary team. A very important role is IT infrastructure, the computer infrastructure that you have. Those are your must have partners. Without IT, no institution can go digital. Then there's also a um, team or a department that is called quality assurance. You have to assure that the system that you have in place is producing um, adequate quality. So basically, it's a team effort. You need a buy-in of uh, different leaders. It's not just the pathologist that says, oh, we're going to go digital. It's fantastic. Let's do it. Um, it's very um, multidisciplinary effort, multi-team effort, and you need buy-in of many stakeholders, also those who are providing resources because it costs a lot of money. So, uh, not thinking in that way, thinking that it's a one stakeholder uh, thing is a mistake that hopefully nobody's making anymore. But I think when you start digging into it, you think it still can be done. Uh, no, it can't. And regarding image analysis, it's not really a mistake, but something to think about when you are starting designing your algorithms. Um, is 
to ask yourself, what is your problem? In our example, we had the cell detection. And what computer vision approach is going to help you solve this problem? Because there needs to be a match. In computer vision, there is different ways of looking at the image. It's not like we visually assess something and we are now in a video call. I see everything. I don't have to like analyze, oh, here is the face, here are the eyes, here are the eyebrows, here is the background. Whereas in computer vision, you very much dissect the image like that. And if your question is just about one part of the image, um, you need to educate yourself, okay, which computer vision approach is going to be good for that? And I have videos uh, on that. So if anyone is interested, I will be happy to provide links. Uh, but in general, I call it computer vision to pathology vision translation. If we have a match between the method and the problem, then we're good to go and we can develop. If we have a mismatch, we're going to have problems down the road. Yeah, um, that was really insightful. And furthermore, what do you think are some of the most important developments um, recently in the field of digital pathology that anyone should know about, whether you're a resident or you're just a layman? The latest developments in digital pathology that everybody should know about. Mm, that's a tricky question. So um, that's not really a latest development, but something um, to be aware of in digital pathology that um, because we have many different devices to digitize our slides, there are many um, file formats that those slides can be generated in. So like for normal images, you have several different formats. You can have JPEG, you can have PNG, you can have TIFF, several different formats. In digital pathology, you have also plenty of formats. And um, there is an effort going on in the pathology, digital pathology community to have one or a few standard formats. So I don't know if that's so interested for your audience, uh, but the uh, format that everybody is uh, talking about, and it's not new, but it's like a buried piece of information that when you start, uh, you don't really pay attention to because you usually start researching one piece of equipment. And if it's a good piece of equipment, you don't really care about what is the um, file format that it's going to be producing images in. Um, but but um, so the one that is being used in medicine is DICOM, Digital Imaging uh, and Communication in Medicine. And this is very much already adopted in radiology for X-rays, MRIs. This is the format that they're using. Uh, why it's important to have uh, a common format is because of all those tools that are all over the place. You might want to pick a certain scanner, but a different image viewer and a different image analysis software. And But you have just one image. So if this image is in a format where those other tools uh, can interact with, fantastic. If it's not, then you have a problem and you're restricted to which tool you're going to be choosing. So. I know it's such an exciting piece of information about digital pathology, but something that I would encourage uh, people to do, encourage your 
um, your listeners to do is just start, uh, if you're interested in digital pathology, um, or previously it was called digital microscopy, actually it still is digital microscopy because you can digitize any slide, do the static, uh, try working with static images. Try, um, if you're working with a microscope and in many schools, I mean, probably in every school you have a microscope, it's part of the curriculum, um, Try taking images, try, you know, familiarizing yourself with tissues. So um, to, yeah, recognizing tissues. Um, try taking pictures of those images, sharing them. Uh, and this is, to me, it's like the first step to digital pathology that everyone can take because we all have phones and whenever we have access to a microscope you can just put it to your microscope you can use a specific case you don't need even a specific camera current phones are fantastic high resolution quality machines that can be used to do digital pathology yeah so maybe doing your own little experiments and yeah um, finding mm -hmm. new ways to work around things the next is, I'm not really sure, but I've been reading a lot about the growth of telepathology, especially due to the recent COVID outbreak. So could you talk about maybe the connection between the two and what is exactly um, going on here? Yes, very much. Um, very much. Basically, the pathologist couldn't go to work like in any other industry in any other area and uh, we were trying to figure out a way to keep doing our job remotely and those who had the capability to do digital pathology were able to do this and those who weren't were quickly trying to gain those capabilities because basically you are evaluating an image a pathologist is a we call ourselves or uh, they're called doctor's doctor. So uh, we are working with patient samples and our, not really with the patients directly. So you can totally work remotely if you have the right tools and if you have the right level of security, the right level of quality. So this very much contributed, COVID contributed and the lockdown contributed to the rise of telepathology. Okay, yeah, and I'd also like to continue on the um, idea of COVID itself. So after, after this outbreak, um, did you see any um, significant changes in which pathologists looked at the field of pathology and something that you maybe found different? So my personal views, not really, but I am very happy to see that the acceptance of digital pathology increased very much. People stopped uh, being that skeptical. They wanted a pathologist diagnosis. They wanted pathologist help. So they were willing to uh, work on securing everything around it. Whereas before it was not a priority. The moment um, we were in lockdown, it became a, a priority because this classical way of everybody going to their office and using the microscope was not an option anymore. So uh, that definitely changed for the better. And not only at the um, acceptance level, 
uh, of particular people, but also um, at the level of the regulators. So uh, the regulators who regulate a medical fields and medical activity said, okay, you guys are now free to do it remotely, even um, with less stringency that we wanted before. And uh, so they waived a couple of regulations and pathologists were basically able to do it from home. And they keep doing it from home, those who want, that um, allowed just greater access to pathology. So that's a very positive change that came out of um, a, a crisis situation. So COVID's not been all that bad. <laughs> no, there were many positive changes because of it. Yeah, definitely. And um, so I've recently been really interested in um, cancer cells. And I just want to know if you've ever worked with them before. And maybe according to you, what makes them so unique and what requires them to, you know, have so much research going on and how are they definitely unique and um, different from the various other cells that you see in the body? Mm -hmm. So I have worked um, with cancer patients when I was uh, still in my residency as a veterinary pathologist. So my cancer patients would be animal patients, not human patients. In uh, with um, cancer, human cancer tissues, I worked more in a research setting. So um, cancer cells are so different than normal cells. They come from our normal cells, but undergo so many changes that at the end, they don't resemble any uh, in any way the, the cells where they came from. So there is um, a lot of skill and a lot of uh, experience going into recognizing, into diagnosing cancer. And this is a big part of human pathology, also in veterinary pathology, but in veterinary pathology, um, there are the, the proportion of uh, cancer patient to non-cancer patients um, is a little bit more balanced, whereas in human pathology, a lot of pathology work is with cancer patients and with their cancerous tissues. So, yeah, the interesting thing about cancer, even though, let's say, breast cancer, um, it may go to other places in the body and look totally strange like no other cell in the body so recognizing where it came from um, is a very important part of pathology work okay oh my gosh that was really really insightful and i'm definitely going to be researching on this further yes and last question is what are the developments that you'd like to see in the field of digital pathology in the future or maybe a short or maybe five years in the future? I would like to see more digital pathology in the pathology labs. I hope it's gonna take up even more. And I would like, I mean, I keep talking about this, let's do pathology with uh, our phones. I would like to see that more of that as well. This kind of has been put uh, on the shelf with the development of host light scanners and those scalable um, scalable solutions, but not everybody has access to the scalable solutions. And I am seeing 
new work in that space where there are apps being developed. And I have um, interviewed a couple of friends uh, of on my podcast that are doing work in that space in the veterinary medicine field. Um, but I would like to see that being uh, more ubiquitous. I know not everybody has the resources to have a Hoslite scanner, but a great majority of the world population has their resources, has who has microscopes, has smartphones, and leveraging static images uh, for digital pathology and building workflows around that. I would love to see that as well, so that there would not be any excuses like, oh, we don't have money, we can't go digital. I would not want to hear that. I would want to hear, okay, we're choosing this other route, the static image route, and we can also leverage all the digital pathology uh, capacities or the digital pathology advantages, artificial intelligence to work on static images that anybody can generate. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that, as I said, was the last question. I just want to thank you so much for being a part of my podcast and it was an honor to reach out to you, read about your work. I'm, I was really inspired by what you do and once again, thank you so much for being a part of my podcast. It was an honor to be your guest, Sarah. Thanks so much for reaching out. And if there are any additional resources that you would want me to give to your um listeners let me know and i'll be happy to send you the links over <laughs>